This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. And welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox. In just a few moments, we'll be joined by Chris Sims, BC Director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, with her list of all the new taxes to expect to pay during this brand new year. And we'll keep our phone lines open this hour as well. But first, here are some more of the top consumer stories we're following this week. Canadian shoppers will soon find that some familiar retails have disappeared. All 38 town shoes footwear stores will close by the end of this month. And by the end of February, Jean Machines 24 stores will also go. Retail experts say these types of smaller chains are among the most likely to be unable to sustain themselves as consumer preference changes. Every year now, you're going to see a few of these weaker players bow out, say the experts. Although high consumer debt levels and relatively flat wage growth are putting pressure on the retail industry, the biggest factor leaving some stores behind is the shift towards online Online shopping with Canadians finally catching up to the Americans and the Brits. Now, most large Canadian retailers are keeping up as well by adding online shopping and delivery options of their own. Even Holdout Canadian Tire quietly launched home delivery last fall. But not all big players are immune to the changes in the retail market. We reported here when hardware giant Lowe's announced last fall that it would close 27 stores, including 25 operating under the Rona banner, one of which is in New Westminster, by the end of January. The hope for some consumers is those empty stores might be taken over by retailers from other countries who want to give Canada a shot. And we're seeing some of that around Metro Vancouver with the arrival of Japanese and Chinese retail chains. Apple's rare warning on revenue rocked financial markets on Thursday, reigniting concerns about slowing global economic and corporate growth and potential damage from Washington's trade row with China. Asian and European shares fell sharply, led by a sell-off in technology stocks, and U.S. futures were down after Apple cut its revenue forecast, its first downgrade in nearly 12 years, blaming weaker iPhone sales in China. The news also jolted currency markets. Apple's shares fell in after-hours trade and were down almost 9% in European deals. The Apple alert followed data earlier this week that showed a deceleration in factory activity in both China and the Eurozone, indicating the ongoing trade dispute between the United States and China is taking a toll on global manufacturing. Remember, no one ever wins in a trade war, despite what some might tell you differently. According to Passport Index, the annual global survey that ranks how powerful passports are from each country in the world, Canada has maintained its ranking and remains in the top five passports globally. So what makes a passport powerful? It's all about global mobility, the freedom to travel and move around the world, and it's based on the number of countries that grant visa-free access to each passport holder. 
shoulder. Now, at the top of the list this year is the United Arab Emirates, the UAE taking first place away from last year's number one ranked passport, Germany. Singapore ranks third alongside Denmark, Sweden, Finland, Luxembourg, France, Italy, the Netherlands, Spain, Norway, and the list goes on. Uh, At the bottom of the list, Afghanistan, followed by Iraq and Pakistan. Canada, by the way, we did mention, is now tied for fourth, and we share our fourth place position for most powerful passport with Belgium, Austria, Japan, Greece, Portugal, Switzerland, the UK, and Ireland. One of the major changes expected in the new food guide is a focus on plant-based sources of proteins, a move that has sparked concern among industry players, including the dairy farmers of Canada. In a document put out for consultation, Health Canada said a majority of Canadians do not eat enough vegetables, fruits, and whole grains, and many of us also drink beverages high in sugars. Health Canada said what is needed is a shift towards a high proportion of plant-based foods generally. The document said the change could help Canadians eat more fiber-rich foods, eat less red meat, and replace foods that contain mostly saturated fat with foods that contain mostly unsaturated fat. Health Canada says it's exciting to get to the stage where the department can show Canadians and stakeholders the revamp guide, part one of which is due early this year, the second part set for the fall, uh, full of practicality or ideology. It remains to be seen. And here's something the folks at Health Canada aren't likely to cheer about. Now in its ninth year, the delectably sweet hot chocolate festival will delight Vancouverites once again in January and February as restaurants, cafes, and treat shops all over town come up with original cocoa concoctions and specials for your sweet tooth. The ninth annual Hot Chocolate Festival will start two weeks from today, January 19th, and run right through Valentine's Day, Feb 14, and will once again lovers of winter's most drinkable treat get their ultimate, well, high. We'll let you know uh, some of the hot spots once things get underway in a couple of weeks. Those are a few more of the week's top consumer stories. We'll check out some more later in the hour. Coming right up after the break, Chris Sims of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation to talk taxes and take your calls. Stay with us. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. And welcome back to the program this Saturday afternoon. Sterling Fox with you, joined on the line by Chris Sims, the BC Director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. Chris, good to talk to you again. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too. Always love speaking with you. It's a pleasure to have you with us today. Although, I have to tell you, the subject matter (laughs) that we're about to dive into is not altogether pleasant. But it's important to know. It's just the 5th of January, and we do have some changes, some additional taxes. We'll talk about the BC page in a little bit, but let's take a look across Canada and find out and talk a little bit, Chris, about some of the taxes that uh, or increases or new levies, call them what you will, that British Columbians will share with Canadians in every corner of the country. I'm usually the bearer of bad news, and so I am sorry for that. But you're right, it is important because it is our money, and so we have to keep track of it, especially when the government is trying to vacuum it out of our wallet. No kidding. One of the main main, uh, changes that British Columbians will see on a federal level is something that they may not think of as a tax, but it's actually the CPP, the Canada Pension Plan. Their contributions um, by writ of the government are going to go up this year, and so is your employment. 
employers. And I think by the end of this session, by the time the Liberals are done with this plan of increasing the CPP, I think it'll be something around an extra $500 a year. And so that's a significant chunk of change. When you're looking at it broken down on your pay stub, you may not notice it as much. I know some of us will. Uh, But by the end of the time that they're planning on increasing it, and it's set to increase for between now and the next four years, it'll be about $500 extra per month. But it's it's one of those it's one of those nasty sneaky increases it'll be 500 bucks a month in five years but it's about a hundred buck a year increase uh, off your paycheck isn't it Exactly. So right now it's about $100 per year increase starting now. Right. And it's one of those things, like you said, it's so sneaky, it's hard to notice unless you actually sit down and look at the breakdown. Right. And the reason why we're flagging this as a concern is because quite often a lot of folks that we're hearing from say that they're not getting the good return on their investment. They don't feel that the CPP is worth the money that they put into it. If it were better run and you're getting a great return on investment, this wouldn't be so much of an issue because people do need to save money for retirement. Mm-hmm. However, because of the way the government manages things, we're not convinced that this is the greatest way to be spending our money by force. And so that's why we're at least flagging it for people. If you're out there and you're working, you're earning a paycheck, and you're noticing that there's a bit more coming off each month, that's one of the main reasons why, is because your CPP has gone up. This is something that the Trudeau government campaigned on, and they were elected to a majority, and so now they're doing it. So if does that, is there a corresponding increase if we're going to be paying a little more off each paycheck into the Canada Pension Plan, Chris, does correspondingly do recipients of the Canada Pension Plan uh, receive an increase that in some way correlates with the amount of increase that the taxpayers are kicking in? As far as my understanding goes, based on what the finance minister says, those who are currently receiving it, I don't think will see an increase ah. because they've already made their contributions. But they're saying that those of us in, say, the age of between 35 and 50, that we should then see a corresponding increase because we're still in our technically our earning years. But they're saying, promise, by the time we get to 65 or 67, whatever the retirement age will be by the time we get to that age, we will see a corresponding increase. But it's something we'll have to wait for. And again, it's in the hands of government, and that makes a lot of people nervous. Right. Uh, what other taxes are there, Chris, uh, in addition to the Canada Pension Plan increase? Are there any other payroll taxes, for example, uh, that we should be aware of? Again, because the amount is is going to be a little less than we're accustomed to, and it's it's the it's death by a thousand cuts, isn't it, huh? It usually is a death by a thousand cuts, and that's what we are always trying to flag for people, is quite often you'll hear people like Premier John Horgan say things like, oh, well, people won't notice an extra penny or two or three on their price per liter of gasoline. But when you start adding those things up, it sure does add up to a big amount for most working people. And so federally, of course, the big fight right now is the federal carbon tax that the Prime Minister is trying to force on every other province. Here in B.C., of course, we already have a carbon carbon tax, and it is the highest already in all of Canada. It is going up to $40 per ton in April. And to give you an idea, right now at $35 per ton, what that generally looks like at the gas pump is, say you've got a Toyota Camry, 2010-2011, not too old. Okay. It costs about 6 bucks extra just for the carbon tax. 
to fill up your tank. Really? If you've got a Dodge Ram, pick yeah. If you guys, this is the thing. It's easy to think, oh, seven point seven eight cents per liter. That doesn't sound like so much. Mm-hmm. But when you start combining that with your fuel capacity and what your fill-up liters are, it's a big chunk of change. You were about, you, you were about to include a Dodge Ram for comparison purposes. Do that number for us too, please. Yeah, for sure. So the Dodge Ram pickup truck, if you're out driving right now, look around, you probably see at least three of them. They're very popular trucks, and I'm just using them as an example. Yeah. That costs on average $10 extra per, per fill-up. Fill up. Yep, just for, and again, this is just for the carbon tax. This doesn't touch the price, doesn't touch the any other taxes, nothing. And when you get into bigger vehicles, like the Ford Diesel Super Duties, you see contractors driving them all the time, yep. and they're especially popular up north. That's seventeen fifty for a fill-up, just for the carbon tax. And so that's going to be going up uh, in, in April. So that's a big chunk of change. And when you get into things like payroll taxes, that's the main point that we're really warning people about here in B.C., there's a brand new tax coming from Victoria, and it just kicked in in January this this month. It's called the Employer Health Tax. Aha! Uh-huh. It affects yeah. It Th- affects this is this is the table. this is the downside of reducing by half our Medicare payments that we make monthly. They plan to eliminate them completely in a year or two, but they've already cut them in half. But that money has to come from somewhere. It just isn't going to be written off. They still need the dough for health care. So now talk about this employer's, uh, the the revised approach. Yes, and so it's a big kick in the pants, actually, because they campaigned, they being the NDP, campaigned on getting rid of the MSP, the medical services premium, like you said, period. They didn't say they were simply going to sashay in another brand new tax, call it a health care tax, and give it a new name, which is exactly what they're doing. And so they're applying this new tax to all payrolls outside of charitable organizations that are over $500,000. Now, that might sound like a lot, but it's not. If you start thinking about things like a, a, a plumbing outfit or an auto body place or a mechanic shop or even a very successful restaurant, depending on the shifts you've got, you can get over $500,000 for your payroll. Think of some of the more homegrown chain stores around BC. It's easy to get over a payroll of $500,000. Right. And so now they're sticking this to every employer, every job creator who has a payroll of more than that. And one of the big catches here is they're also doing it to municipalities. So cities and towns from Courtney to Cranbrook are getting dinged with this new tax. Because, because they're employers too, right? Except, yep. except that they're not, they're not making widgets or something out there in the marketplace that they can profit and, and, and work this into their balance sheet somehow. So are you, are you basically predicting that because cities are now going to get stuck with this employer's health tax, that property taxes or, or whatever devices cities have to raise revenue for themselves are likely to go up as a consequence? That's exactly what's happening, unfortunately. And so what's happened here is a big download of taxation onto the backs of property taxpayers, onto cities and towns. Now, some town councils might be able to do great work and find savings within their existing budgets. And if they're able to do that, we salute you. Good job. Uh, But a lot of them say that they can't, and they're passing along this new increase in the form of property taxes. I know some of your listeners in Vancouver right now are facing this. There's a big threat in Kamloops that is going to go up. Really, a lot of city council councils are having trouble trying to hand over this new money to Victoria because, like you said, the only way they can make money, they don't sell widgets, That's is right. through things like property taxes. Yeah. Uh, any good news at all, by the way, for taxpayers? Uh, I, I note, for example, that it's a 
very small figure. Uh, they took the tax-free savings account limit, which they had slashed from 10000 yes. down to five. Now it's back up to 6000 so that would be a very modest acknowledgement of the blunder they made in the first place by reducing it. Uh, any other uh, uh, positives, Chris? Unfortunately, especially for BC, no. Um, that's really the best news that you can get here. We were happy initially when they were reducing the MSP, and they reduced it. We always wanted it gone. They yeah. reduced it by 50%, which is a good thing for people. But here they went and carted in this new employer health tax, and I'm sorry to make matters worse, they're heaping the new payroll tax on top of the MSP. Right. So if you're an employer and you're already nice enough to be covering your employees' MSP payments at 50%, you're getting hit with this brand new payment now on top of it. So it's a double dip of taxation. And like, again, I'm sorry to be a bearer of bad news, but that's one of the main things. Oh, here's some good news. Apparently, BC Ferries is holding their rates. Apparently, they're not going to be increasing their rates. So there's some good news for us. Okay. And and, and as long as we're, I'm a little suspicious because now we're talking about the remedy to to deal financially with the very voter-attractive notion of removing Medicare premiums. Mm -hmm. Another incredibly attractive to the voters notion that essentially got the NDP elected was the elimination of the tolls on our bridges. Nonetheless, that that uh, balance is still outstanding. There is still a huge debt associated with them. Where's the money coming from to pay for that? That's a great question. I don't see a lot of belt tightening and trimming going on. We'll know more when the budget was presented in February, but I'm worried that they're going to be jacking up fees elsewhere. I'm worried that maybe they'll start making a lot more money on speeding tickets or something like that because they have reduced the speed in a lot of commuter corridors around BC, including Highway 1 that feeds in from the Fraser Valley. So right. They're going to be searching around and finding this money elsewhere through jacked up fees or some sort of tolls. And I'm wondering where it's going to be coming from. And I know a lot of your listeners right now who are working in Delta and who commute in from that area, they're upset as well because they're not getting a new crossing for the Massey Tunnel. That's right. That was something that's been promised to that region for a long, long time. And we do understand that a lot of people south of the Fraser and the Surrey-Langley area were getting really singled out and hammered by those unpopular bridge tolls. But again, like you say, the money has to come from somewhere. And we just don't see a lot of thriftiness coming from this government. And when folks say things like, oh, we need health care money to come from somewhere, well, we agree. But we also point out that they waste a lot of our money. If they were putting every nickel into something that was worthy and of value, I wouldn't be sitting here complaining about it. Mm-hmm. But they blow a lot of our money. And just for example, the top of my head, they're spending $4 million studying guaranteed basic income. A system that we know does not work. Picking up a phone and calling Finland or calling another jurisdiction would prove this to them. But why? They're just blowing $4 million taxpayers' money to study something that we know doesn't work. Why? So that they can appease the Greens. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, gotcha. I need to take a quick break for the news and stuff, Chris, and I'm, I'm going to open up the phone lines as well. And I know you don't give tax advice. That's not what you do. But you do have a, your finger on the pulse of a lot of what's going on or going out of our bank accounts, however reluctantly. Chris Sims and more at 280-9898, 604-280-9898. Your calls to Chris Sims after the news. 
And welcome back to the program. Sterling Fox with you this Saturday afternoon. Chris Sims is with us. Chris is the executive director for BC of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. We've been talking about some of the taxes. Well, we need to be ready to well, at least be aware of because the pay stub is going to reflect a smaller amount going your way uh, throughout the year. One of which uh, will be the Canada Pension Plan increase here in BC. We have the employer health tax. Chris, we already talked about the car in tax and I want to talk about it as a national vote issued because 2019 is a national election across Canada and also a provincial election in Alberta which is going to make for a very interesting dynamic come the fall but I also got some callers on the phones and so let's uh, let's take some calls and we'll talk about it all as we go along and we'll start in Delta Dan thanks for waiting good afternoon Hi, thank you for having me on my, on your show I just wanted to talk a bit about pension plan go ahead taxes okay great so you know, our government and previous government and federal, they take the money, and I've read so many times in the Vancouver Sun uh, about Trudeau giving uh, upwards of $700 million to China land corporations. And also the Harper government bought 33 towers in Germany with the pension plan money. The trouble that bothers me about this is they have tons and tons of real estate and money because that's a big gain for them. And the thing that bothers me is that we don't know what they're purchasing because they hide behind investment groups, and they do it in the stock market as well. So when there's turbulence now in the housing market and the stock market, I'm telling you that our government played big roles in this, and they may have sold off a lot of their investments, and that's why everybody's sitting around wondering what the heck is going on? Well, that's a very yeah. fair. That's a very fair comment, Tim. And we, we, I want to just give Chris a chance to to talk about it, uh, Dan. And I'd like people to really look into it for me because they shouldn't be allowed to hide behind investment groups. This mm. is the problem with our real estate market, and that's how they drove land prices up, and that's why the taxes on the homes are ridiculous. It won't be long till we're paying twelve months, like uh, a thousand a month for home tax. Uh, Dan, thanks very much for the call, uh, Chris. A lot in there. Um, let's talk about the investment part of our pension fund we have a a supervisory board that looks after the investments they make on our behalf and they are global they don't actually have a lot of money in canada a lot of our our pension money is invested around the world we don't know dan's right we don't know a lot about what's going on there is that deliberate that's a great question, and he makes a very good point there, especially when he talks about investments around the world. And I don't think many people are expecting the pension plan or the advisors to only be investing in Canada. Right. Hopefully they're investing in things simply that make a good return on that investment. And so things like, for example, if you take a look at the Ontario Teachers Fund, you know, it's surprising what kind of holdings they have. A yes. lot of it is in real estate. And similar things are being done with our money. I think the, the key here is transparency. No matter what government is in power, no matter what party is in power, it should be more well known what our money is being used for and where that CPP money is going for those investments. If they're getting great returns on it, that's great, but we still should know exactly where it is. And so those of us who are curious, like your caller there, and who are really diligent, can look these things up and find these things out, because at the end of the day, it is our money. And yes. So he makes a great point there. Okay. And, and, and the, uh, the other part about the transparency, too, is you, you, you want to be able to find out where the money is going, and the suspicion arises, and Dan was kind of leaning in that direction, that maybe because there are mega, mega billions of Canadian 
in taxpayer dollars involved in these mm-hmm. investments, maybe the people responsible for supervising it are in some way attempting to manipulate the marketplace to their advantage. Unlikely? And that's the thing. Yeah, well, I hope so. I sure hope it's unlikely. But I, the reason why we call for transparency, again, we don't care what party is in. We don't care if it's a flying spaghetti monster. Right. It's the issue of the appearance of transparency or the appearance of something being funny. And so that is why the more they tell us and the more factual they are and open they are, it can just be boring spreadsheets that they need to post online. That's fine. They don't need to give us essays. Right. But it needs to have the appearance of accountability and transparency. Otherwise, we'll have folks thinking the worst. And maybe there's no reason to think that way. But we need to have the facts in front of us, and they need to be understandable. Yeah, good call, Dan. And some great issues you've raised as we go to North Vancouver next. Elizabeth, thank you for waiting. Good afternoon. Hi. I have a question about the carbon tax. The governments keep saying that they're revenue neutral. Now, I've got $22 carbon tax on my Fortis bill this uh-huh. month. It's not neutral to me. So who, for whom is it revenue neutral? Chris? It's revenue neutral for no one. And I feel what you're saying, and I can hear it in your voice, it's not fair. That carbon tax should not be on your bill. Uh, you should not be punished simply for using natural gas to heat your home and possibly cook your food. When this tax, and I need to be clear here, when this tax was first forced upon British Columbians in this province in the year 2008, it was at $10 a tonne, which is now much lower than what we've got. We were told the money was going to be put towards a revolution in green energy. That's what the money was going to be spent on. That it would stop at $30 a ton, they'd stop hiking it, and that it would be revenue neutral. None of those things is now true. All of those pledges have been broken. We are at $35 per ton. It's getting jacked up to $40 per ton this year. On its way to 50 is where the NDP has it pegged right now, and so does the federal government. And I want to be really crystal clear. The NDP Green government that's in there right now has dropped the term revenue neutral altogether. So even in politics or in columns, nobody should be using that term anymore right. because it's not even in its name only. It well, doesn't exist. Right, and but Elizabeth, so Elizabeth is perfectly mm-hmm. within her rights to go, not, it's, not, it's not close. It's not even close to revenue neutral. No, it's the opposite of revenue neutral. This is a revenue generating tool for government. And I want to be as fair as possible. For years, under the previous government, it wasn't revenue neutral either. Right. And if I have a minute, I can explain to you why. Okay. They t- say, okay, they're taking in the carbon tax, okay? This is the previous government. They collected, for example, I think it was the year 2016, 2017, or 2015, 2016. They collected about $1.2 billion in the carbon tax. They took that money and they put it in a box in the budget. Then inside that box, they stuffed all of their random tax credits, ones we see everywhere else in Canada, children's fitness tax credit, film tax credit, converting school property to farm tax credit, things you see everywhere. But they stuck them inside the carbon tax box, made it balance out to zero, abracadabra, revenue neutral. That's all it meant. 
Interesting yes, stuff. Well, Elizabeth, thank yeah. you for your call. It's an excellent point to raise. Uh, and, and on the matter of the carbon tax, which is, as you point out, going up here in B.C. to $50, that's now the objective of the current B.C. government. Mm-hmm. It is also, I believe I heard you say, it is also the objective of the current federal government to impose a national carbon tax to the tune of 50 bucks a ton. We think that's where they're heading. So the reason why we're saying that is because they're using British Columbia as a reference and a model of a good carbon tax. I think they said it three or four times when they made their announcement. And so when they first introduce it, it will be lower than what we have here in B.C. right now. But we're saying they're going to be on track, just watch them, to increase it. And there's reasons for us saying those things. One, like I said, they referenced B.C. several times as the shining example of a great carbon tax. And two, we know, based on what has been reported by mainstream media sources that bureaucrats at Environment Canada briefed the Minister of Climate Change, Catherine McKenna, and said, you know, we're never going to eventually get to these Paris climate targets or our international climate targets unless we really jack up the carbon tax a long ways. They were recommending apparently $300 per ton. Oh my. And if you, yeah, and if you listen carefully to what the Prime Minister says, he'll often say things like, the United Nations tells us we only have 12 years left in which to act. He mentions that a lot. Yeah. That number is based on a report that the UN put out in October. What's interesting is that in that same report, that United Nations panel is also recommending a ridiculously high carbon tax. And I'm talking it's, it's a crazy amount. They're saying, like, it needs to cost you about $800 to fill your car. That's the same report. And he keeps saying we only have 12 years left in which to act. And so what we're saying is, unless they're not serious about meeting these international climate targets, they're going to jack this carbon tax up as high as they possibly can. And so that's what we want people to be ready for. Well, Chris, now I know you and your colleagues in the Taxpayers Federation in every province and the National Office in Ottawa are probably going to get down and do your level best come election time later this year to do whatever you possibly can to first inform us and then state your very strong position against the carbon tax. Do you think when we go to the polls nationally this fall, the carbon tax is going to be front and center on most voters' minds? Yes, I do. And it's for several reasons. I hope it catches on here in BC. I think we've been asleep too long here on the carbon tax. We've been lulled into the idea that somehow it's making a difference, and it's not. We just had a release that went out a few days ago. It shows our CO2 emissions are going up here in British Columbia. Got the highest tax in Canada, emissions are going up. This is not what we were promised. So to get to your point, yes, I do think it will be a national election issue. And the reason for that are many reasons. For example, even in Alberta, where we see an NDP government now very frustrated because they can't get their oil and gas to market, even though they have friends in the NDP here in B.C., even though they have a carbon tax in Alberta, even though they told their people, if we impose a carbon tax on you and make it more expensive for you to go to the grocery store and drive to work and take your kids to school, we'll have a social license because we've been taxing you for this, and Mm. they'll allow us to use our oil and gas. Uh, uh, Uh-uh-uh, not true. And so now we're seeing this pushback, this revolt, from Alberta all the way to New Brunswick, mm-hmm. with a reawakened Ontario. Look at how Doug Ford was just elected to that majority. One of the main reasons why he was elected to that was scrapping the carbon tax. Right. And so, yes, this is going to be a major federal issue. And, of course, in next door in Alberta, Jason Kenney is going to go to the polls and take out Rachel Notley sometime this late spring, and he's all about cancel the carbon tax. That's, that's his number one platform plank, isn't it? 
It absolutely is. And I just got to stress, you know, the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, for the longest time, even when the carbon tax wasn't a popular issue in the news, we've been out fighting this thing because we wanted to be wrong. (laughs) We did want to be wrong. But unfortunately, we've been proven right. It's simply become a cash grab. It's simply become a way of government to take money. And our evidence right here is Exhibit A in British Columbia. We have the highest carbon tax in Canada. It's no longer even called revenue neutral, yet our CO2 emissions keep going up. as long as we're talking uh, about BC tax grabs, I note on taxpayer.com, your website, uh, on the BC section, you've got uh, you've got petitions to stop the employer health tax, which we've already yeah. talked about, stop the speculation tax, the school property tax hike, cut Vancouver housing taxes. Uh, tax, tax, tax seems to be the order du jour from Victoria. Uh, which of those is most offensive to the Taxpayers Federation? The one that's hitting the most people right now is the employer health tax. And that's, of course, because we have businesses, we have uh, job creators who are getting really nuked by this this year. And to give you an example, uh, there, was a spoke, there was a person I met with up in Prince George who runs a business, big, beautiful business, has been on the main drag now for about 30 years. They already cover the MSP for their employees. And they've got a big footprint because they've got a big store right there in Prince George. So they're all already covering MSP. Now they're getting hit with this employer health tax. And the owner of the store needs to pay an increased property tax, most likely, based on city council for their own house. Sure. And they're going to be paying an increased property tax based on their store. So this employer, this independent job creator that is a linchpin in that community, is getting a fourfold hit from this tax. Then you start thinking about it municipally, and it's a huge tax on British Columbians. So we think that one is the biggest one. The carbon tax, of course, is a huge sore point. Like I said, in you know one of the previous years, they raked in about $1.2 billion off this thing. That's all of it is coming from us. It's coming from British Columbians. So those are the two main ones that we'd really like to highlight. And then, of course, we have that school property tax is interesting, because right now it's set at a property tax uh, Uh, application for anything, any home that's valued more than $3 million. Mm -hmm. And so usually that's affecting folks who are living in West Vancouver, some folks in North Vancouver. And while some listening think, oh, well, you know, too bad you have a house that's worth $3 million, good for you, Mm -hmm. it is good for them. But a lot of those folks have been in those neighborhoods since the 70s and 80s, and it's their house. And they don't want to move, and they don't want to sell, and now they're being handed this massive new tax bill for no fault of their own. And now they're stuck with it. And our, our caution here is if they're coming for their house this year, they could come for your house next year because nothing would stop them from lowering the threshold of value to $2 million sure. or one point five. What's to stop them? Right. And, and, and again, the, the, they're, they're uh, only governed by their ability to draw more money down, right? Yes, exactly. Okay. And this is the thing is, unless you, unless you stand up and say enough is enough and no, you can't take more of our money, government by its nature will continue to grow and will continue to take more of your money. And again, so for your commuters in Metro Vancouver, your TransLink tax is going up too. That's in April. There's going to be an extra cent and a half tacked on to the price of gasoline. So a so cent and a half for TransLink, I'm just doing the math here, and I should never yep. do it on live radio, but a cent and a half for for uh, uh, the, 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 the thing you were just talking about, plus the carbon tax. So the TransLink yep. tax is a cent and a half, and how much is the, the, the carbon tax going to go up in terms of at the pump per liter? It'll be about a cent and a half as well. We'll have to wait until they do it and then the formula comes out. So in total, about three or three and a half cents extra coming your way in April. Lucky us. (laughs) Chris, (laughs) 
sorry. No, no, and it's not your fault. I mean, thank goodness we have people like you uh, doing the diligence uh, that you do, doing the homework that uh, you absolutely need to do, so the rest of us can occasionally get the real scoop on what the heck is going on behind all of the uh, the dancing uh, that government throws in our general direction. Chris, thank you for this. Uh, Taxpayer.com is the Federation website, by the way, friends, if you want to check out more, uh, jump in on any of the petitions, or possibly even join in yourself. Chris Sims, thank you for this. We'll talk again, no doubt, soon. You betcha. Thank you so much. Happy New Year, everybody. Same to you. There's Chris Sims at taxpayer.com. We're back after this. And once again, our thanks to Chris Sims of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation for a very informative visit, and thanks for your calls, too. Next week, we'll take a peek at some predictions for 2019 with futurist Nick Badminton. And the world-class dentists from BC Perio will join us for their first appearance of the new year. Time now for Dooley Noted, and this time, our producer Ben Dooley takes a look at a Burnaby business owner who says a tax hike could literally put him out of business. Thanks, Sterling. After 44 years in business making custom glass tiles, there is real concern at Interstyle Ceramic and Glass about the future. The Burnaby business has seen its property value skyrocket by more than 250%. And with a tax bill due this summer that could be significantly higher, the owner of one of the only tile manufacturing plants left in Canada might be forced to shut down. Here is Kim Horner, the owner of Interstyle. So suddenly from paying $140,000, my taxes will go up to half a million dollars. Horner is not alone. His neighbors are facing similar increases. The Costco across the street saw an assessment increase of $55.5 million, a 192% jump. Businesses on either side of the tile factory saw their assessment go from $4 million to $23 million an increase of 389%. The trigger in this case was the sale of the Saputo plant at the corner of Sperling Avenue and Low Heat Highway. The sale is expected to be more than $200 million, and the value of that land jumped to $197 million this year. Next door is a property valued at $143 million, and the ripple effect is being felt blocks away. I'm Ben Dooley, and that's Dooley Noted. Thank you, Ben. Time for, well, and a consumer quickie before we go. And this follows our conversation, as Ben just did, with Chris Sims. The BC Utilities Commission has given the green light to ICBC's application for an interim increase in our basic insurance rates. Basic rates will increase by 6.3% on an interim basis for all new and renewal policies with an effective date on or after April 1st. Now, according to ICBC, this latest approval is consistent with past applications. The Utilities Commission is also conducting a review on the application and allowing for the public to participate through requesting intervener status, submitting their comments, or registering as an interested party. At the end of this process, which is likely to run through spring, the Utilities Commission will receive, reach rather a final decision on ICBC's basic rate application and any difference between the approved interim rate and the permanent rate will be refunded or collected at that time. Last month, the Attorney General David Eby, the minister responsible for ICBC, explained that the increase of 6.3% could have been much worse had his government not stepped in. In fact, he commented the increase could have been by almost 
40%. So I guess we're supposed to be grateful for an increase of only 6.3%. Gosh, thanks, Mr. Eby. And that is our show for this week, produced by Ben Dooley. Andrew Ferreira has a steady hand on the controls. We appreciate your feedback, and if you have any thoughts or suggestions for our show, please send them along to sterling at cknw.com or tweet them to us at Van Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox. Join us again next Saturday at 2 for another edition of Vancouver Consumer, right here on 980 CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.